0: This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elobo. Hi and a good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company again on this beautiful spring, almost summer, Wednesday afternoon here in the High Felt here in Joburg. And of course, already edging up to the midway point of the month of Elul, getting ever closer to Rosh Hashanah, ever closer to the Yamim Noraim, to the big, big Days, the big festivals, the special awesome days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and of course then followed by the celebratory days of Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, Simchat Torah. It is literally just around the corner. It is so close. It is so near, and um, we need to kind of, I suppose, continue to get our heads into that atmosphere if they're not already, um, and if the weather doesn't help, of course. We should be focusing um, on what we have to do, what we need to do, what still is yet to be done, and what this world could do with in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur this year. One of the things that we do, and we have mentioned this before, but I'd like to focus in on it today in particular, is that for the duration of this period, um, the whole month of Elul, as well as the um, main part. Of the month of Tishrei In fact right up until the end of the festival of Sukkot There is a tradition that uh, we all follow To a lesser or greater degree And in different times perhaps And that is the saying of Psalm chapter 27 Chapter 27 of Psalms Which is known as Le David Ori In uh, short Um, But I'd like to put the spotlight on it today and perhaps try and understand why it is that we actually say the psalm, um, what it's actually all about, and uh, perhaps to pick on some of the salient points within this psalm, within this beautiful (laughs) capital, within this beautiful chapter of King David's Tehillim, and understand what its messages are and what we are trying to say and what we're trying to accomplish By saying it By saying the psalm In the number of times That we do say it I'm sure you've thought about it I hope you have That the psalm actually We begin saying On Rosh Chodesh Elul Um, Most have the tradition Of beginning it Actually on the first day Of Rosh Chodesh Elul Some on the second It is then said twice a day There are some who say it Shachrit and Mincha in the morning service And in the afternoon service There are others who say it Shachrit and Mayrev in the morning service And in the evening service And then we usually say it right up until Hoshana Rabbah or Shmini Atzeret Right at the end of the festival of Sukkot Well it comes out if you think about it That there are probably 50 days On which most of us say that psalm and that we say it twice a day and therefore this psalm is said other than the other saying of psalms Where uh, automatically it may be included in your daily allotment or your daily apportionment of psalms According to your particular custom But we actually end up particularly for this period of time saying the psalm 100 times Now when we do something 100 times Even if you're talking about in terms of um, sport or you're talking about in terms of um, anything actually in life, a 100 times is regarded as a kind of a benchmark. It means that um, it's really part of you. It means that it's really ingrained. When somebody uh, bats for a long time and scores a century, wow, that gets all sorts of accolades. But there's something important about the number 100. In that it seems to close a lot of circles. It seems to complete something. There is something about the completion of this period of time that this psalm depicts in a very, very beautiful way. And um, that it actually encapsulates what this period of time is really all about. And that we say it in a repeated fashion. You know, if you've said and you've done something a hundred times, it's even used by the Talmud. To tell us that it be this is, it then becomes kind of your nature. It becomes part of you. It becomes so much within your system. 100 times that you've done something means that it is ingrained within you. And so each year we go through this process of ingraining Psalm number 27, Le David Ori, of ingraining it into our personal, collective, and national psyche in uh, the build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then over the period of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and then going on into Sukkot, it is this incredible bridge between the month of Elul and the month of Tishrei, this last month of uh, the classical year, and then into Tishrei, the first month of the year, albeit that it is the sixth and seventh month in the way that the Torah counts the months, but nonetheless, it is a very, very important part of um, what we accomplish, what we do, and what we're setting out to do during this period of time. Perhaps it's um, important, even though it will be in English, and therefore perhaps losing some of the nuances of the Hebrew language and some of the beauty of the language with which King David actually wrote the psalm, to go through and to think about just in our own minds as um, A start-up of uh, today's uh, small lesson that I hopefully have for you um, To read through the psalm, to go through it in English um, See in our own mind's eye um, what kind of images we can come up with And then perhaps unpack them together as uh, we complete this episode today So, Psalm 27 begins as follows It says, it is a psalm of David And he says, God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God is the stronghold of my life. For whom shall I be frightened? When evildoers draw near to me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies against me, they stumbled and fell. If a camp encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. If a war should rise up against me, in this I trust. One thing I ask of God, That I seek that That I may dwell in the house of God All the days of my life To see the pleasantness of God And to visit his temple every morning That he will hide me in his tabernacle On the day of calamity He will conceal me In the secrecy of his tent He will lift me up on a rock And now My head will be raised over my enemies around me And I will sacrifice in his tent Sacrifices with joyous song I will sing and chant praise to God. Hearken, O God, to my voice, which I call out, and be gracious to me and answer me. On your behalf, my heart says, seek my presence. Your presence, O God, I will seek. Do not hide your presence from me. Do not turn your servant away with anger. You are my help. Do not forsake me, and do not abandon me, O God of my salvation." For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but God gathers me in. Instruct me, O God, in your way, and lead me in the straight path, because of those who lie in wait for me. Do not deliver me to the desires of my adversaries, for false witnesses and speakers of evil have risen against me. Had I not believed in seeing God's goodness in the land of the living? Hope for God, be strong, and I will give your heart courage And hope for God And that is the psalm, Psalm 27 That we say twice a day During this period of time From the beginning of Elul Right up until the end of the festive season Right up until the end of Sukkot And we'll try In the balance of our time together today To unpack some of the salient features of it And to understand actually What we're saying And why is it that we say this Why is it that we do this During this Awesome period of time leading up to the High Festivals. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Ilovo. And yes, uh, the inimitable avron Fried there with the whole medley of uh, famous Chabad, Negunim Chabad songs. What a beautiful treat to hear him uh, rapidly running through them all in such a Lebedica inspiring fashion. Does much to uplift us um, During this period of time and to uh, Give us the uh, foresight Of what is coming with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur But let's get back to our topic where we're talking about Psalm number 27, chapter 27 of Psalms The Psalm that we say Twice a day during this period of time As we said, saying it A hundred times during this period of time, it obviously has a tremendous amount of relevance to us. And let's unpack it, perhaps, in three separate parts. Um, First of all, to address the first part. The beginning of the psalm says, God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God is the stronghold of my life, for whom shall I be frightened? When evildoers draw near to me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies against me, they stumbled and fell. If a camp encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. If a war should rise up against me, in this I trust. What are we actually talking about here? Perhaps let's explore and think about the concepts of light and salvation that are mentioned right at the beginning. You know, we all know the difference, I guess, physically between darkness and light. We have had it spelled out perhaps even more so in the fact that one of the ten plagues in Egypt was darkness. The penultimate plague was darkness. What was the darkness really all about? Well, we're told that the darkness um, was there in a way whereby it actually um, prevented people from seeing each other. And so man could not see his brother. And uh, secondly, it made them immobile. They were unable to move. Well, if we think about just that, uh, the concept of light must be the absolute opposite. Light must enable us to see each other, and light must enable us to move. Now, we're not only talking about seeing our brothers as in a physical sense of being able to see somebody, But light is this amazing commodity that we're talking about and the difference between it and darkness is actually in a spiritual sense the ability to see the needs of other people, the ability to actually share with each other, the ability to realize that this world and this life is not just about me because that really is a dark place and it's not just about what I do for myself but rather what I do for others that is of paramount importance. And at the same time, It gives us the wherewithal to be able to move If we think about the concept of having movement Isn't it the most incredible thing that Hashem has uh, put within each and every one of us The ability to move We underestimate the uh, greatness of the different facets of our bodies And the greatness of the different facets of our beings And the ability to function The ability to do what we were actually put here to do That perhaps is a subtle difference between light and darkness but more than that, when we're in darkness, it is probably the um, very, very epitome of um, what it means to be without knowledge. Isn't light knowledge? Isn't knowledge light? The ability to be able to actually see things, the ability to actually understand how things work, isn't that when we have managed to shed some light onto the matter. So light is something that has the connotation of being synonymous with knowledge, with the um, ability to actually see what is going on around us and what the reality is, to have light shed on something to enable us to come out of the darkness, to not be kept in the dark anymore, to actually know what this world is all about, what life is all about, what my job is in this world, what my role is in this world, isn't that the epitome of light as well? If we think about it, the very first thing that Hashem created when He created the world, we say it so many times, but we don't necessarily always think about it. And that is, God said, first up, Yehi Or." Let there be light. The first thing that God created was light. Now, what was that light? Actually, it uh, took a couple of days before he created the luminaries in the sky, the sun and the moon and so on, which gave us physical light. So what was that light? Well, the jury is out on it because there's all sorts of debates about what that light actually was. What was the light that God created? And in fact, we're told that God put that light away for the future. What did he put it away for? What was it? Perhaps it was a special vision that we are going to have that we'll be able to see the truth when Mashiach comes, when we'll be able to see souls, where we'll be able to see the spirituality of things. Perhaps it was set aside for the time when Hashem gave us the miracle of light in uh, the Hanukkah story, um, where we saw the miraculousness within nature because nature itself can be concealing. Nature itself can be somewhat dark and dreary although we marvel at the beauty of a a beautiful blue sky and so on. But perhaps it is the idea of the ability that we hope for, that we'll be able to see the truth, that we'll be able to see beyond, that there will be light shed on what God actually wants from us. Now, when we speak about it and we phrase it in these phrases of King David right at the beginning of the psalm, we're certainly talking about evildoers, we're talking about enemies and yes of course the Jewish people have had no shortage of them and we have no shortage of them today with all the people who like to gang up and uh, come under the guise of all sorts of um, uh, interesting and weird and wonderful uh, guises that they use in order to uh, spew hatred against the Jewish people or against Israel and so on when we think about all of that well perhaps you could fit it into these words that that's what we're actually talking about and yes of course King David himself had all sorts of Adversaries. But surely we're talking here not about adversaries of the enemy kind in a practical sense, but rather adversaries of self adversaries within ourselves, we're all wired that way, that we have um, the good and the bad voices within ourselves, we have a yetzer tov and a yetzer hara, we have an evil inclination and we have a godly soul and the godly soul is pulling us in one direction and telling us that hey, Rosh Hashanah is coming, Yom Tov is coming, this is where we need to be, this is where your soul needs to be, we need to celebrate the kingdom of God, we need to celebrate the creation of the world, the creation of man and so on, we've got to do all of this stuff. And then there's the animal soul that says, no, there's much more important stuff to do. You've got to be making money. You've got to get to the office on time. You've got to be um, involved in business. It's a physical world. It's a physical life. Leave the religious stuff to the religious guys and so on. May God shed light on this truth and enable us to see our true adversaries for what they are and be able to thwart them, be able to overcome those adversaries, be able to have a situation where we have nothing to fear Literally, practically, and figuratively, we have absolutely nothing to fear because we have managed to overcome those adversaries. We've managed to overcome the adversaries within ourselves. You know, it's often a lot easier to fight the adversaries out there of others or the adversary, the adversary that comes at you in a physical way. It is not always that easy to fight the adversary that comes from within, the adversary of the voice within you that is prompting you to do something that you yourself intrinsically have a feeling is probably incorrect. You know that it's wrong. You know that it's not there, but you're driven by all sorts of Forces of the Yetzer Hara, of this evil inclination, that is pushing you in all the wrong directions, and this is the kind of light that we're hoping and praying for. Pray uh, and praying for. This is the kind of um, of of salvation that we hope that we will have—a salvation from our own worst enemies, which is within ourselves. And is this not what we are saying here? If a camp encamps against me, my heart shall not fear. If a war should rise up against me, in this I trust. And what is this? The Midrash tells us that there are ten things that are referred to as this in Torah. One of them is the Torah itself. Another one is Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, Mashiach, and so on. There are certain things that are framed that are termed this in this, I trust, We know that we want to trust in this. We want to trust in the real, in the real things. We want to trust in the truth. We want to trust in Torah. We want to trust in God. We want to have all of that. And our godly soul knows that that is what it's all about. Unfortunately, the adversaries of ourselves and within ourselves are pulling us in the wrong direction. And we hope God to be able through this incredibly repetitive, um, uh, slogan, of uh, the psalm 27 that we hope that we can actually overcome, that we can endure, that we can bring light into our lives and that we can bring about that salvation and that we can come through triumphant at the end of the day, um, having triumphed over the negative forces and the things that have pulled us in the wrong direction um, during this period of time. We then go on to the second part of the psalm, which is, one thing I ask of God that I seek that I may dwell in the house of God all the days of my life to see the pleasantness of God and to visit his temple every morning that he will hide me in his tabernacle on the day of calamity. He will conceal me in the secrecy of his tent. He will lift me up on a rock and now my head will be raised over my enemies around me and I will sacrifice in his tent sacrifices with joyous song. I will sing and chant praise to God. One of the things that we really hope and pray for is not necessarily only the dream that we have of the coming of Mashiach And the dream that we have of our temple in Yerushalayim Of being able to see the great grandeur Of a Beit HaMikdash, of a temple With all the miracles that happened within it And that we're promised are going to be happening In the temple in the future It's not just that kind of a dream But this is a dream of God Give me the insight to be able to actually Walk in the path of your Torah To come into the framework of the embrace Of your love, of your affection, of your Torah, of the guidance, of your mitzvot, of the protection, of all of these things that will and need to surround me. This is the kind of tabernacle, perhaps, that we're referring to. And yes, of course, there is a link and there is a a theme that is developing when we talk about (coughs) Hashem or Riva Yishih. Our sages tell us that that refers to. The light and salvation is the light and salvation of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Here where we talk about the tabernacle, we're referring to Sukkot. Yes, of course, we know all of that, and that is... Pretty um, self-understood in a way when we think about the psalm. But perhaps on a deeper level, it's about the embrace of God's word, the embrace of God's guidance, the embrace of God's temple, the real temple where we hope and pray that God will protect us, that he will give us the wherewithal to look at this world and to govern our lives according to the Torah, to run our lives according to his mitzvot, to have that kind of um, intuition, that kind of, um, of protection. And that kind of environment that we build around ourselves and not to ever allow the um, influence of the, uh, influences of the outside to break down that barrier and to overrun us and to uh, put us into a situation and a position that uh, we certainly don't want to be in and that we know is actually wrong, not only for our souls, but um, for ourselves, for our whole beings, for all of those around us and for our community per se. And we then ask God to please do not hide your presence from me. Don't hide your presence Don't hide your face The idea of a panim Of a face We know that if we look at it Very very deeply And very um, uh, properly in Torah The idea of a face We ask God Please don't hide your face from me The face of God Keeps on coming up Throughout Torah literature The concept of the face Panim What is panim? Panim is the face of an individual But we talk about the face Also referring to the panim The inner Um, Secrets, the inner part of God We hope that God doesn't hide The essence from us We hope that God not only shows us His outside face, we know that a face Reflects what's going on inside a person We know that a face reflects Whether that person is kind Whether they have a nasty streak and so on We ask God, please, don't hide your face from us Allow us to see the face As a euphemism For the innermost part of what you were truly all about. God, it's difficult for us to go through life not understanding the essence, not understanding the depth of everything. That is the difficulty that we hope you'll be able to shed some light on. And that's what we hope and pray for during this period of time leading up to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, during Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and right through to the end of the festive season come the end of Tishrei. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Continuing with our analysis of Psalm 27, which we say a hundred times during the period of uh, Elul and Tishrei, we come to the part towards the end of the psalm where it says, Do not hide your presence from me. Do not turn your servant away with anger. You are my help. Do not forsake me and do not abandon me. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but God gathers me in. Instruct me, O God, in your way and lead me in the straight path because of those who lie in wait for me. Well, we're thinking here perhaps about the fact that um, not necessarily are we subscribing to the idea that our parents have been bad parents, not uh, are we subscribing to the idea that our parents have led us astray, but um, perhaps King David is trying to mull over a feeling of not really knowing um, where we are supposed to be heading. A feeling of purposelessness that uh, perhaps comes about when your parents have left you in a physical sense, when uh, people have passed on, where people have left this world. And the idea that perhaps is conjured up here is that um, we are putting our faith in God, which um, supersedes life. God was there as our father. Before we came into this world, before we were actually fathered and mothered and brought into this world and brought up. God will continue to be our father and uh, there for us even after we have left this world. Um, Physical life comes and goes. The way that it's designed, nature is that uh, people are born and people unfortunately pass on. They leave this world. And then there can be this feeling of despair, this feeling of um, loss and this feeling of not knowing which way to turn. And we therefore express, perhaps in the psalm, the idea that my mother and father have forsaken me. Perhaps there is a deeper insinuation as well. And that is that um, parenting, and let's think about it in terms of a modern society, a modern life, parenting has become a very, very different um, a kind of a, a, an exercise to what it used to be parents don't seem to see the need anymore to actually give their children direction that has to come they believe from all sorts of outside influences and all they there is uh, they therefore is the machinery to provide with the um, sustenance and the uh, monetary uh, payments and and so on and to try and give your child the best opportunities i guess i think most parents would see that as being their role as parenting but uh, where we have forsaken perhaps our children Is in the realm of not really giving them the right kind of examples to follow. Um, We believe that they should be uh, good kids and that they should be moral and ethical and all of that stuff. But um, do we spend enough time actually training them, teaching them, and most primarily setting them the example that they need in order to be able to follow? So in a way, there is this idea of... Forsaking Our children are forsaken And the child is calling out and saying Mom and dad why have you forsaken me But we understand that it is God Who is there as that constant God is always there The door is always open The arms are always open for the embrace Hashem is always there to guide And God continues to give Not only the uh, world And all the beautiful things around us And not only the food and the uh, warmth And the love and the care and the affection But his Precious Torah and mitzvot He gives to us all the time It is renewed all the time You know when a person is called up to the Torah We make the bracha We say the blessing Torah. God is not the one who gave us the Torah But God continues to give us the Torah It's in the present tense He's continuously, continually giving it to us It is given to us afresh Each and every moment of each and every day Everything is brand new This is the idea of the const- constantness of the continuity of God and of godliness and perhaps the idea of humanity and human beings having to some extent forsaken, the idea of being forsaken, of being lost, of being forlorn, of feeling that there is no one there for you. And this is what we pray for. We hope and pray that we could hook into that light and that salvation, that warmth and that embrace, that um, affection and that love, that care from God Almighty who will hopefully take us under his wing, not only be our king but our father. And Alvinu Malkenu, um, a father and a king, um, plays an important, important role in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the days surrounding it as well. I'll be back with you to sum up right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Alova. So the end of Psalm 27 says, Do not deliver me to the desires of my adversaries for false witnesses and speakers of evil have risen against me. Had I not believed in seeing God's goodness in the land of the living? Hope for God, be strong, and he will give your heart courage and hope for God. The idea of having courage and the idea of your heart being directed in the right place and the idea of hope, hope is something that we have to live with and that we have to have if one relinquishes hope. Um, when all hope is lost, then actually everything is lost. We need to continue to place our trust and our faith in God Almighty, remembering that um, everything else is fickle, that everything else dies, that everything else leaves us, that everything else goes away. But the continuity and the constantness of godliness, of kedusha, of holiness, the continuity and the constantness of Torah, of mitzvot, those are our lights and our salvations. Those are the things that um, continue to give us the inspiration and those are the things that continue to give us hope. If we were to take um, a a look at um, any episode and anything that happens within our lives, either personally or on a collective basis or anything that has happened over uh, a lengthy period of time, perhaps to the Jewish people or to our country and so on. If we think about it in a pure physical realm, if we think about it in a way whereby it is just physical um, matter, if we take predictions of graphs and the way that things should pan out, there's not much hope. It doesn't seem to be um, that anything could really work. And it brings us to the point whereby while we've given up on uh, the integrity of humanity and we've given up on uh, the goodness of people and so on, we can lose all hope. And we pray to God that we should have... The light and the salvation to realize that God is with us, that through through thick and through thin, that through darkness and through light, through good times and through bad times, there is that continuum and that continuity of God, of godliness, of our Torah and of our mitzvot. And it is to that that we need to cleave. It is to that that we need to reach, that we need to try and take on board a lot more. In the the realm of light and salvation, in the realm of Torah and mitzvot, of learning more, of studying more, of being more inspired, of being more in tune with the truth, more in tune with what we should be doing as Jews, and more in tune with where we should be going as individuals, as human beings, and as a community. And once we've done that, we surely can hope for God, be strong, and know that he will give our hearts courage and hope for God, kave this is the um, bottom line of this very, very beautiful psalm psalm number twenty seven let's remember that the psalm contains within it thirteen, no less than thirteen mentions of the name of God God's name is mentioned thirteen times if we think about a mantra. A real call, a clarion call of um, uh, godliness within the days of um, of awe within Yom Kippur particularly, and uh, the days of Slichot and so on, which come before. We think about that um, real um, uh, clarion call of Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum VeChanun, the thirteen attributes of mercy that we hope and pray for and are hinted at through the godliness that runs as a theme through this psalm number 27 13 names of God 13 attributes of mercy and it is that mercy and that love and that care that the king who is now in the field is administering is putting out there and is giving to each and every one of us in his warm and loving embrace to bring us A Shana Tova Umetuka, a happy, a healthy, a sweet, a wonderful, prosperous, and beautiful new year. May it be for all of us. May it be for all of you. And I look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place, next week on Judaism 101.9.